This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast. It is our pregame podcast. We do it at the end of every week. Of course, the Mike Missanelli Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Get your Bet Rivers app, make your plays. I've been pretty good this year on the picks. If you took my picks last week on the Bet Rivers app on our national contest, you know I went 5 and 0. So we'll see what I come up with this week. But um, and we'll also we're going to get into a, a little bit of the Kelly Oub, the continuing saga of Kelly Oubre, who was back last night for the Sixers, and uh, also in Mike Unleashed uh, headline in today's Inquirer said the following: Berks County woman named Time Magazine Person of the Year. Now I don't know if that's a trolling headline or what, but we'll get into that on Mike Unleashed amongst the no. Um, uh, a number of other topics where my imagination goes all over the place, but let's get to the business at hand, the Eagles Cowboys. Now, I don't think I'm understating this very much to say that the the Eagles season is on the line. And what happened last week, the ass kicking that they took from the 49ers has made people rethink this entire season, not only nationally, but in Philadelphia as well. That was a kick in the pants for Eagle fans because I think the conclusion was, oh, no, they're not of that echelon to maybe get to a Super Bowl. But hope is still alive. The season is on the line in this context. If the Eagles win, they still have a beat on that number one seed. And if they host the NFC title game, it'll be here. And that's pretty formidable to beat the Eagles here. Even if it's the 49ers who did it earlier. But in revenge, maybe it's different. Now, if the Eagles lose this game, that puts them obviously in a precarious situation where three losses could be the number of losses for all the contenders. Now, I don't think it'll be for the Dallas Cowboys. I see a loss or maybe even two on their schedule coming up because they play some tougher teams. 49ers have one tough game left. It's against the Ravens. So if the 49ers win out and the Eagles lose this game and then win out, which I think they will because they have Seattle, although that could be precarious as well. But if they do win out, of course, we talked about it last week. The perils of losing to the 49ers in that game at home last week was that the tiebreaker now belongs to San Francisco. And if you're going to be in an NFC title game, you got to win that game in San Francisco, which I do not think they will be capable. All right, so let's look at the Dallas Cowboys, because for me, I go, my first inkling is, can the Eagles actually beat the Cowboys twice? Now, the Cowboys are rolling pretty good. I know their schedule's been weak, and we'll get into that in a second. But I started to ponder, and I said to myself, self, when was the last time the Eagles beat the Cowboys twice? Because I couldn't really think of it. And I went back in time, 
and I found out that it was 2011. 2011 was the last time they beat him twice in a season. Now, if you look at how, the, if you look at the history, they did whack him uh, for that period of time. But Andy Reid had the really good team with Donovan McNabb as the quarterback. They beat him repeatedly twice. Uh, and let's see, uh, I got it right here. They beat him. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, um, you know, why is it with my phone? The notes when I get my notes thing, it always go it it goes backwards. What is the story with that? I had it right in front of me, and the notes portion, my notes segment goes backwards, and it goes all the way to the end. All right, here it is. Eagles won twice in 2011. They won twice in 2006, 2004, 2003, 2002, 2001, and 2000. They swept the Cowboys. But this is a different era. So that, to me, when I look at this series, I go, it doesn't really matter how good one team is over the other. They usually split. You look at the uh, NFC East, and you go, okay, they beat the Giants twice. They beat the Commanders twice. And Cowboy, they had to probably split with them. I mean, we look at it every year. We say the same thing. So am I saying the Eagles can't win in Dallas? No, I think they can win in Dallas. Um, I don't know how to measure the Cowboys. So let's get into some facts and figures with the Cowboys and figure out whether the Cowboys are as good right now as they're being talked about, all right, or whether they're – Better than the Eagles right now. I know the 49ers are better. I'm not so sure I'm ready to commit that the Cowboys are better. Now, the Cowboys are 9-1 and one versus teams 500 or under. They did beat the Seattle Seahawks when they were a game over 500, so that goes into the checklist. They're 9-1 and one against teams 500 or under. They are undefeated at home over the last 14. That's significant. They play well at home. But who have they played in those 14 games at home? You'd have to go back and look at these games. Let's just say for the record that they are pretty formidable at home. Dallas has now won four in a row. They have won six of the last seven. They have scored 40-plus points in four straight games. Their offense is formidable. That is why their offense is ranked number one in the NFL. And Dak Prescott who we have sort of put under the carpet all year, has suddenly emerged as a bigger MVP candidate than Jalen Hurts. This is what happens when you lose a game and you get waxed, and you get waxed on national TV. People go, hey, you know what? They're not as good as I thought, nor is that quarterback as good as I thought. His record speaks for itself. Had you not run into that team last week, you would still be talking about how good he is, how clutch he is, what his record is with the Eagles as a starting quarterback, what it, what his record is when he trails by 10. He always seems to bring them back. But now they're looking at it like, eh, well, I don't know about this team. All right, let's continue. Dak Prescott, 26 TDs. That's tied for second most in the league. He has the lowest interception rate in the league. He's only got six interceptions. The one thing we can always count on with Dak is that he'll give you the ball. He'll turn it over but he hasn't done it this year. Meanwhile, the Dallas defense, even though it's against lesser teams, is ranked fourth while the Eagles are ranked 24th in the league. Let's be honest about the Eagles' defense. And this was what was exposed last week. When the Eagles do not get a pass rush, their back seven isn't very good. And it, this is a hard realization to come by because the Eagles have left themselves adrift at the linebacker position. 
This week they signed Shaq Leonard. Well, they're going to shoo him into a lineup right now. This is the third guy they're going to have to shoo into the lineup. Shoehorn into the lineup. Bayard was shoehorned into the lineup. Uh, uh, Leonard's going to be shoehorned into the lineup. And um, who am I missing? Uh, the the uh, the the other cornerback. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, Darren. Help me out. The other guy they acquired this year. I'm I'm drawing a blank. Bradley Roby. Okay, so that's three guys. They've had to stick in there to fill in deficiencies. And when you keep doing that against good teams yeah. and you're trying to limp to the finish line with guys you're throwing in there, you're in trouble. Here's what I the kind Eagles... of would play better, too. He really hasn't played as well as you and I thought he would. Okay, well, that, that means something. Because these guys yeah. that they're getting kind of off the scrap heap, they're getting them because maybe they can't play as well uh, anymore. So let's look at strategically what they can't stop the run with a four-man front. With a five-man front, they are susceptible to the pass because their back end hasn't been really good. So this is the peril they find themselves in. The Cowboys hit them with C.D. Lamb. Brandon Cooks is on a roll. The tight end has been amazing. And the Eagles can't cover tight ends. And so this is a precarious spot for them uh, at this uh, stage. Um, Dak Prescott last week, 299, three TDs, 115.8 rate last week versus Seattle. Um, he's thrown uh, only two interceptions over his last six, and he's had 20 TDs. He's playing at a high level. Um, in the first game against the Eagles, he was good. 374 yards, three TDs, 115.2 rate in that game. But they sacked him five times, and he was only six for 15 on third down. The Eagles have to get pressure on Dak Prescott in this game. And uh, we'll see how they strategize this game. Sean Desai wasn't very good last weekend against the 49ers. The 49ers found out a way to beat whatever he was doing. And so we'll see what's what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys uh, this week. C.D. Lamb had 17 targets last week. 12 catches, 17 targets for C.D. Lamb. 116 yards and a touchdown. He's been unstoppable. And Purdy last week versus the Eagles with 148.8 rate. So that's in, indicative of how the back end is not holding up their end of the bargain. Um, I think this game... I, you know, I hate to say it. I don't think they'll win this game. Um, I think they'll cover. I think it'll be close. I think it'll come down to a one or two point game at the end. But I'm looking at the matchups in this game, and I do not like them. Hertz was not good on third down last week. His rating was not good last week. He lost a little luster last week. Now, I don't know if he can bounce back because the 49ers were just, they just terrorized the Eagles last week. I don't know if this Dallas team can terrorize the Eagles down there like the 49ers terrorized them last week. Um, they did, I was glad to see, go back to the slant to A.J. Brown. And, and he, he caught a lot of balls last week. They went back to the slant. I love the slant. And Dallas Goddard is back now for the Eagles. That will well make their offense a little more well-rounded. He is so important to what they do. You saw without him the last couple of games, their offense looks befuddled. So him being back in there uh, is is going to be a big uh, a big part of, of that. Now, um, Micah Parsons. Oh my God, 
Did you did you look at him last week? He was a monster man last week. So obviously no you got to keep him quicker. off the quarterback. Bland last week got baked a little bit by DK Metcalf. That's a good sign. Deron Bland's been playing great football. Maybe he does it in this game. And, uh, of course, the Eagles running game last week was non-existent. To the point now, we go back to the Andy Reid days where fans now have to make signs and stand in front of the NovaCare Center with big block letters on a sign that says, run the ball. We are, we are back down to bitching and moaning about them running the football back to the Andy Reid days of old. So uh, all of that is in the mix. It is a must-win game for the Eagles if you think that you can have an edge in the NFC playoffs. I don't think this team is good enough to beat the 49ers in San Francisco. I think they may be good enough to beat the 49ers at home in an NFC title game. But if they don't win this game, we're opening up that window to the first possibility where they would have to go to San Francisco. All right, let's bring in producer Darren. Darren, your thoughts. Well, look, this is a game, and Jalen Hurts has won a lot of games for them. He we talked about his record with double digits, uh, being down double digits, coming back. This is a game I'd like to see Jalen Hurts put the team on his back for four quarters and ball out like he did in the Super Bowl. Really haven't seen a four-quarter Jalen Hurts since the Super Bowl. I'd like to see that on Sunday. Um, Goddard back's huge, man. That really allows him to do so much more offensively. Uh, the more I think about and looked at that San Francisco game last week, Man, they just looked exhausted. They were shot in the second half. So on top of the injuries, I, I really I can't see Nicholas Morrow on the field on Sunday unless he absolutely, absolutely has to be. He was so bad. I, I have never seen a linebacker play that poorly in an Eagle uniform in, in the longest time. I'm sure there was someone worse, but he was so bad. He was whiffing, out of position, running backwards. He just uh, – so there's a lot of correctable mistakes that happen. I think the Dallas defense is one that can be gotten. Bland, uh, Brand's getting a lot of – he set the record, pick sixes. He's a lot like Tavon Diggs in that um, he's a big play guy. In fact, Dan Quinn's defense is just built around guys to make big plays at big moments. But he's a guy who gets beat all day on double moves. I'd love to see them go after him a little bit. Um, because I think you can attack him, and if you ride him the whole game, I think he'll give it up. Um, I also would like to see, and I'm not going to do it. I don't, I don't care about quantity of runs so much anymore. It's just a little scheming. The Eagles' offense has gotten so predictable for me. I know every time they're going to run that quarterback draw in the red zone. It's so obvious. And they just, uh, you know, even a lot of the route running is very, very predictable. I'd like to see them use a little bit more misdirection. You know, change it up a bit. A lot of, and I'm not really, I don't really blame Desai last week at all. I think he was undermanned. And I think the whole team really was, it was really just exhausted. It really just, they were shot, man. So I think that they'll play well. I think it's going to be a close game. They, they had their manhood handed to them last Sunday in a brown paper bag. Here you go. Here's your Gions. Goodbye. When that happens to an NFL team, especially a team like the Eagles that has a lot of veterans, has a lot of pride, has a lot of talent when healthy, um, I think they will come out of the gates pretty strong on Sunday night. 
And I want again, I want to see Hurts. I want I want to see him put the whole team on his back for four quarters. I think he will. I think the Eagles win a really close game. It's going to be one of those, like most Dallas games, man. Every Dallas game, I got the knots. I can't sit. You know, it's just uh, every game against that team. And it's a good thing. But I will say this. I want to add about Prescott because the key to Dallas is Dak. He's having a phenomenal year. You know, you talked, you talked about the numbers. He's only thrown six interceptions this year. There's only two regular starting quarterbacks in the entire league that have thrown less than him. And that's Lamar Jackson, who I think has thrown five, and your offensive rookie of the year, C.J. Stroud in Houston. They're the only guys that have thrown less interceptions that are regular starters. Right, let me and ask you a question the about shield, man. the side being undermanned. What makes you yeah. think he's not going to be undermanned this week? Well, hopefully you got Cunningham back. I don't – Shaq Leonard, I don't know what he's going to give you. He's going to give you more than what Morrow could gave you or yeah? could give you. You think? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that you could say that. Mike, I would rather – I would give you a shot right yeah, now. I, listen, I get it that they're desperate. They've got this guy well, who didn't play well the last time he's played football, and they're going to throw him in there. And look, listen, I know they're desperate. They don't have another guy. So they got it. They got to stick him in there. But I can't say that he's going to have any kind of an impact. I don't know that he will. I just think he'll give you a little bit more. At least he's a smarter player. He understands okay. the game better. He won't be out of position like. Okay. Like, uh, all right. When he makes uh, attack, he will wrap. That's, that's all well and good. Uh, I can see Dallas scoring a lot of points in this game. That's what they do. So, cool. um, so can the Eagles outscore them? Is what I'm asking you down there. Yes, I think they can. I think really? with Goddard healthy, the offense, he opens up so many more things for that offense to do. He gives them the whole field. They're, they're very one-dimensional. It's very easy. No, I don't say it's easy, but it's a lot easier to defend the Eagles right now when they don't run the ball, not running the ball well, and you've got the two great wideouts, but that's it. You umbrella them. You keep everything underneath. And if you're a team like the 49ers and you've got a, a front seven that you can just throw at the quarterback, and the running backs all day, it makes life a lot easier for you when you have no one to attack the middle of the field. All right. Let, let me just uh, I, I, let me throw a bone to the Eagles way because I want to give as many facts and figures that benefit the Eagles as possible because I know people want to be optimistic about this game. Those last four games where they've scored 40-plus points have been against Seattle, Washington, the Giants, and the Rams. You know, that's not a great accomplishment, okay? That level of competition doesn't really tell me that they're going to score 40 against the Eagles. But they are very formidable. Now, let's get to the crux of this thing and the either-ors. If they lose this game, it, it, do you still think they have a chance to get the number one seed and home field advantage overall? Only because... If they, like I've been saying all year, if they need them, the last four games are cupcakes. Seattle might be a little tough because it's always difficult to win in that stadium. They they have a good home field advantage. Um, but yes, I I do, and it also depends on how they. But you're not answering the question. If yeah, you're telling me they have cupcakes. I know they have cupcakes. Look at the other team. That's what what it depends on at that point. If the Eagles lose on Sunday. Yeah. It's no longer about them. It's about what the 49ers do. Yeah, and I think that I don't know that they're going to run the table. I also, my feeling on the Eagles the rest of the way, too. This, so you think the 49ers will lose to the Ravens? I think, very, I think they very well could, yes. 
Well, very well could. Everybody very well could. Well, that game's not. What does very well could mean? Will they lose to the Ravens? Yes. Okay. All right. I got to pick you down every now and then. But I want to say one other thing, though. Like, it all depends. My feeling on this Eagles team right now for the rest of the season is going to depend a lot on how they play on Sunday. Even if they lose, and they lose 24 to 23, 27, 23, and it's, you know, comes right down to it. I'll feel a lot better if they go down there and they lose or get their doors blown off or they look exhausted or shot again. It might be time. It's like, oh, what's the easier path just to get to the NFC title game at that point? All right. You know, um, that Ravens game for the 49ers is in San Francisco. I thought it was in Baltimore. Okay. I still feel I still feel the same way. Baltimore's a good team uh, on the road. You still feel the same way? Yes. I love you. I love you because you're, you're, I, I can tell your fandom comes out of your pores. I, I really do. You're, you're the fan, and I'm the guy who looks at it logically like, uh, you know, maybe it's not going to happen. Where Now, could they beat the 49ers there in an FC? I guess anything's possible. The, Eagles? the 49ers in that game, what set the line for that game? NFC title game, it's in San Francisco. It's the Eagles going there. What do you got? Uh, if Niners are probably be five and a half, six. You think it would be that high? I would five and a half, yeah. In San Francisco, okay. yeah. I don't. See, by the way, I don't. This, think is, this is what I'm up because see, sometimes reality pounds me over the head, and I go, you know, the people that were saying last, what well, are Eagles really don't have to win that game, and I'm going, oh no, 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 no. See, I look at the bigger picture, and the only thing that matters. There's a lot of people in Philadelphia who look at the Eagles, oh, well, they're getting disrespected nationally, blah, blah, blah. They're not getting disrespected nationally. They're getting disrespected as a Super Bowl contender nationally. Everybody knows the Eagles are a good team. They're one of three teams in the NFC that's formidable, with Detroit trying to get into that pack. But we're, we're evaluating the Eagles on what the big picture is. They were in the Super Bowl last year. Are they good enough to get to there this year? And to, to answer that question, you have to extrapolate data. And you have to look at, okay, if they're going to get to the Super Bowl and they lose against Dallas and they have already lost against 49ers, they would have to beat the 49ers in San Francisco. This is what I look at. And, and I, I don't look I don't, at the rest of the season. Yeah. I don't look at the cupcakes they have to play. I look at the last game they would have to play. Right. Uh, well, look, I, and I think you, you're 100% right, but I think you're giving the national media a little bit too much respect. This These national guys... Two weeks ago, Mike, they beat the Bills. There was not a single national, uh, whatever you want to call them these days, uh, that didn't say, that didn't say Jalen Hurts is a rock bolt lock for MVP. They lose that game. Now it's not even so-and-so or Jalen. Now it is a Dak or Purdy. But hold it. That game is a window into the soul of a franchise. Why is you that can't just you just they can't look at that game and my say, God. "Oh my God, they're not giving us respect." Right? I, you can't. No, that's no. I don't believe that because Prescott got his doors blown off by the 49ers a month ago, and he was out of the conversation. And now it's him or Purdy. Hertz is not even in the conversation now because they, they over over one loss. A one loss that really was not – it's not like Jalen was horrible, and that's why they lost the game. That's why, I mean, these national guys, they go week to week, dude. Week to week. 
All right. This is why you provide a good balance because you're all about you're all about the Eagles pennant sticking out of your buttocks. But I like it. All right. So so there you go. So it's the Eagles and Cowboys. People uh I, I've run into at least 15 people in various uh, like at a CVS, at a, a grocery store, uh, uh wherever I've been, uh getting a haircut. Uh, people have asked me, Well, what do you think? What do you think of this? And I go, um, uh, I, I don't like them this week. I don't. And it's only because I can't admit this is a good Dallas team. I can't imagine this good Dallas team would lose to the Eagles twice. The law of averages tell, tell me they won't lose twice to the Eagles. So that's why I got to look beyond. And in the great beyond, it's okay. Now how do they deal with being tied with the 49ers? So that's what I look at. Maybe that's wrong. And maybe I should be more of a homer. But I look, that's why I did the research. When's the last time the, the Eagles beat the Cowboys twice? It was 12 years ago, for crying out loud. Because every year we look at the schedule, we go, okay, they're going to split with Dallas. Why? And so this year is different? Or the Cowboys are good? And the game's at home? And it's a Sunday night? All right. Close game. I like the Eagles to cover. If I'm a betting man, I would take the Eagles on your Bet Rivers app. I got. The I like uh, they're getting three. 24-23, Eagles. All right. There's your Eagles Cowboys stuff. All right, as we continue with the Mike Misnelli podcast, uh, let's uh, look at the Sixers quickly because uh, I also want to look into the strange case of Kelly Oubre. Um, Joel will be at 50 last night. Again, I, 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 here's the thing about the NBA with me I can't stand to watch bad teams. I, I refused to watch the Wizards last night. Now, I checked in on the game because I saw he's having a monster game. I Bad basketball and bad teams make me nuts. I'm the same way with the NFL. So, so, so I, I've, I watched, get this, I watched Penn State, Maryland instead of the Eagles, I mean, instead of the Sixers and the Wizards. And then, of course, I checked back and I saw he had, he had 50. That's great. All right. So I can't stand teams like the Wizards. I hate the fact that franchises can't build up to a point where they're representative. Uh, so in any event, 50 is 50. And I started to think about the Sixers, and I go, you know, can the Sixers win a big game without Embiid? And people will say, well, look what they did against Boston. When the Celtics face a team that didn't have Maxi or Embiid that night, it's human nature for that team to let down a little bit. So we'll win this game easy. And they don't play under the razor's edge. So I kind of discounted that game. And I look at all the other contenders and I go, can the Celtics win without Tatum? Yeah, they can because they have other guys that will pick up the slack. Can the Bucs win without Lillard or Giannis? Well, yeah, they have in the past. Can the Sixers win without Embiid? And I go, no. They can't win with Embiid. I don't know what that says other than what their overall strength is as a team. I know Nick Nurse gets a lot of love. They've lost a lot of games this year already. You know, I, I think the job that he has done is a little bit overrated. They've lost seven games. But people look at it like, okay, well, Hard's out of there. I like the way they, they're, they're freewheeling, moving offense. Well, of course they're going to be freewheeling and more moving within, than without the anchor of James Harden in there. That doesn't tell me whether they're good enough to contend. So I just want to hold that thought. As you know, I'm a, I love the Sixers. I'm a big Sixer guy. I long for the day when they can get back to an NBA final. 
And I hope this is the year. But I look at it and I go, I don't know. I don't know. And Breeze got to be superhuman every night. Maxie's got to be superhuman every night for that team to beat a really good team in a seven-game series. All right. Now let's get to the Ubre stuff. This is a very strange issue. And um, I know it's, it's funny because people don't care if it's a strange issue. And so I'm, I'm howling at the moon here. Nobody's going to even care what I say about this because Kelly Oubre, who was back last night, played 19 minutes, and he helped him. He had 12 points. And people in this town have a way of looking past certain things when the guy we're talking about is actually a good player. That's human nature of fans, but particularly in Philadelphia. So Kelly Oubre meets the media for the first time on Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday or Tuesday, whenever it was. And um, this is is what he had to say. He said that this is an ongoing matter and the police are investigating. And I'm going, what? So I'm going to let you hear the exchange with Kelly Oubre and the fan. Now, I'll give Keith Pompey credit. He covers the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. We've had him on this podcast, and he tried to get to the to the to the crux of the matter. And he said, "Kelly, what really happened that night?" And Kelly Oubre wouldn't give any details except to say that there's an ongoing investigation, and I'm not going to say any more about it. So let's hear what he had to say. And it's funny because this is a situation where old journalists would take the occasion to really get to the crux of the matter. New school journalism does not, and here's why. There has been a proliferation of blogs and startup media outlets that feel intimidated by a team's view of them and their ability to cover the team and still be allowed to cover the team. So if a team is displeased with a line of questioning, they have a chance to cut those people off. The landscape has changed to the point where you just have two newspapers and two guys that would hammer for answers. That doesn't exist anymore. The more so what you're going to hear French. in this press conference is that uh, uh, after when there should be follow-up questions, here comes a question about the team. Like, what, like this, the, the transition from... You got Kelly Oubre now, and you really have to get to the crux of that issue. From then goes to, well, how do you think the team's playing with? Blah, blah. What? Well, that's not the appropriate time for a question there. The team is second. That's just, the issue is rolling. Keep going with it. All right, let's hear it. So, Kelly, what actually happened that night? Um, well, actually, um, first and foremost, before anything, I just want to say thank you to my family, my friends, um, the 76ers organization, especially Coach Nurse, um, for the utmost support uh, throughout this whole process. Um, but like I've spoken to the police about this situation and they have an ongoing investigation. So um, I've spoken to who I need to speak to about it and you know, I keep it with, with the way that is. And um, I won't be speaking on any details about that because they are looking into it, so. Kelly, how badly do you want the person who hit you to be caught? Um, like I said, man, like I'm, I'm all for love, you know, and peace. But at the end of the day, this is a, a serious situation, but I'm gonna let you know, the situation handled itself from there. And um, I don't really, I don't hate anybody. I don't want any, wish any malice on anybody. So. But Kelly, there was a lot of people who were saying, okay, well, this doesn't seem right. And, and questioning you if you were telling the truth or not. 
did did that did that hurt you? Was that disappointing? Um, this is a this was and is like a very traumatic situation for me and my family. So, uh, you know, I just wish that my life wasn't like like the Truman Show, where everybody can kind of watch it and have their own opinion about my life. This is very hard for us to have to deal with and me to miss being on the court, which keeps me sane. And, you know, a lot of people are very inconsiderate and insensitive to try to worry about video cameras and shit about something that happened with my life and it's very detrimental to me and missing time in my job. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just really blessed that it wasn't worse than what it is and that I'm able to come back to work and smile and, you know, walk and talk and breathe. So, yeah, that's just what I have to say about the conspiracy theorists. And I love them too. Like, I, I sit there on my downtown and look at them, but not with my life, bro. It's just serious. So How did you're you... new to town. Were you sure where you were when it happened? Like I said, I won't be answering any questions about the details of the situation. So. How frustrating was it to have the start that you had to your season, playing some of the best basketball of your career, and then have it come to such an abrupt halt and now have to work your way back to, to where you were? I mean, it was tough. But uh, I know for a fact in life, everything happens for a reason. So, like... It was uh, what they say, a um, minor setback for a major comeback, right? Like, I'm ready to hoop, man. And this has been a long process for me, and I'm just ready to finally be with my guys and, you know, perform, go to war with Coach and, you know, make the organization look good. Yeah, while you were sidelined, whether you were watching on TV or in the last couple games since you've been with them, what have you observed about the growth that, that they've had over the last few weeks? We fight every night. No matter who we got on the court, uh, no matter what the lineups are, no matter we have a really solid, good team, and we fight every single night, and you don't get that a lot. You know, a lot of teams they just give up and they quit, you know, because certain guys are out, but we never do. And I love the resiliency, but it's time for us to kind of take that next step and paying attention to the details and doing what we do in practice to carry over to the game. All right. Now, is it that's difficult to say? Uh, okay, so what happened that night? Well. Uh, it's an ongoing investigation. All right. Is it that difficult for Kelly Oubre to say, well, here's what happened. I was walking and it was on my bike and, and a guy came around a corner and his rearview mirror smashed me in the ribs. That's what happened. I, I don't know why there's no video of it. I don't know. Why, but that's what happened. Instead, he says, well, it's an ongoing police investigation and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I don't... Does that mean to the average, maybe I'm different. Does that, to the average person, does that suggest that he's hiding something? And why is he hiding something? That's where you go as a questioner, you go, well, you really didn't answer the question. How were you hit by the car? What do you remember about it? Was it the rear view mirror? And by the way, like that, that ring video camera where you came with your bicycle and you told your wife you got hit by a car. How, how did that video Get get to be public. Did did they poach that from you, or did you did you volunteer that video to prove something? Like, there's a, a hundred questions that you can ask to get the real story. He is hiding a real story. Now, maybe that doesn't matter to you, and maybe it shouldn't matter to me. But I look at it more like the journalistic angle and how I was trained, as opposed to what his personal life is about. I am tasked with getting answers. I am tasked with getting the story. I can't stand for somebody saying, well, it's a police investigation. And I would go, as a follow-up, I go, well, what does that mean exactly? Did you not get hit by a car? Like, you were on your bicycle. When were you on your bicycle? Did you get hit when you were on your bicycle? Were you not on your bicycle? There's like a line of questioning you can go into to get what the real story is. And I know there's people listening to this blog, and they're going, 
I'm like, I don't care what the real story is. He's one of our players, and we should just move on. <laughs> well, I'm not cut that way. I'm sorry. I'm not cut with just, let's just move on, because the truth always sets everybody free, including Kelly Oubre. Let's come out with the story. What exactly are you hiding? All right. Well, I'm like, what would That's Stan Hockman have done the other night? Like Stan would have what? just called forever. He would have. Listen, I, I know those days are over know, when you get man. the hard hitting journalist, but I, I'm I'm going to, and I'll give Keith Gunn pay credit because he tried to get yeah, it. He did. But there are other people then that need to get in there, and you can't ask a basketball question after the he gives that you that kind of an answer. And, and I'm just I shake my head and I go, okay, maybe I just can't handle change. And I mean, you know, maybe I, maybe it's me. And I, I know it's me because I get the feedback when, I, when I'm talking about this on Twitter. People go, let it go, Mike, move on. Why? Why would you move on? It's a, it's a player who is in the news, who plays for your team, who didn't tell the truth. Because if, it, if he was telling the truth, there would have been evidence of the truth. So what was it? It could be something harmless. I don't know. Did you stumble off a curb? Did you have a couple of pops and lost your balance and you fell on a curb? If so, what's wrong with that? Just come cleaning. Oh, yeah, I've done that before. I fell off a curb. I had a couple of drinks. Like, I don't understand. What, what, what could it be that would be so bad that would be inexplicable that you wouldn't have to explain it? This, this new generation of reporters are more interested in being friends with these guys. I don't know. I guess. Uh, I, I, and listen, I know it's a tough landscape out there. I can tell you for a fact that those these organizations put heat. There are so many people trying to cover teams these days. These organizations can go. They, they can Gestapo you. And I understand these young kids that are in this business who come into the business, frankly, more as fans than journalists. I mean, let's face it. There, are, there, are, there are four hundred percent fanboy Sixer blocks, oh and, and like I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a fanboy Sixer block if that's what you want to do. But there's the Sixer sense. There's the Liberty Ballers. There's this. There's that. And and they're in it to be fans because they're younger people. Younger people get into it right off their fandom. It's like I did way back in the day. I guess I was a fan. I went into journalism. As soon as I went into journalism, I had to drop my fan hat on the ground. It was over. The Flyers hat came right so, off. Big fire yes. guy when you were young, but it's it's different, and I get it, and I apologize if I belabor in the issue. The press conference to me seemed ridiculous that the guy wouldn't say what happened. I I, I just it's it's beyond me to to comprehend why he wouldn't say. I got hit by a car. I'm sorry. Listen, man. I'm sorry. I got banged by a car. I don't know why there's no video. I I, I don't get it. But that's what happened. <laughs> Said he didn't. He doesn't say that. He says there's an ongoing investigation, which leads me to believe, as a natural skeptic, oh, well, he's hiding something. Like, what, what normal person could hear that and go, yeah, you got hit by a car. Like, <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's move on. Um, it's, this is very interesting because I'm, uh, I'm reading the Inquirer today. All right, let's get to the, to the – we won't bury the lead. Taylor Swift has been named Time Magazine's Person of the Year. I, I agree. There is no bigger celebrity. There's no bigger uh, uh, person in the news than Taylor Swift. I believe she deserves person of the year in Time magazine because everybody is taught. She is a subject of 
every conversation on everybody. Middle-aged women to older women to younger kids to men because she's now with the Travis Kelsey the whole bit. There is no bigger spotlight on a person, so I'm okay with it. The Inquirer today has a headline that says, Berks County woman named Times 2023 person of the year. And I'm thinking to myself, are they playing a gag on me? Hey, I know she's from Wyoming, she's from Berks County. But is the headline trying to, is that supposed to be funny? Darren, I, 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 cheap, I, I, or is it some nerdy person who's making the headline who actually thought that that was the headline that he should write or she should write? <laughs> I think there's a little tongue in cheek there. Is it tongue in cheek? So. Okay, because I didn't know. I, I don't know. Like maybe it's somebody that just because we are all county. taught in journalism to milk the local connection, and maybe this is somebody who writes the headline. It's not a reporter. Who's so, all right, it's milk the local connection. The Berks County, it's tied in the Berks County. I don't know, but dude, there's not she's a so beyond being a Berks County woman winning the woman of the year that I don't I don't know. It's like maybe making my head spin. Dude, Ross Tucker doesn't regard doesn't refer to her as fuck <laughs> Berks County's Taylor Swift. All right. All right, let's move on. On that theme, there was another person of the year named last week, sportsman of the year. For Sports Illustrated. Now, I'm pretty sure that Sports Illustrated did this because they are also desperate as an entity and they have to get as many eyeballs on their product as possible to the point where, like, a couple weeks ago, it was revealed that they had AI write a story for them, artificial intelligence, a story for the vaunted Sports Illustrated, which I got from from when I was 12 years old till I was 30. I, mean, I got because my mother used to renew the subscription every year. That was her gift to me every year because she knew I was involved in sports journalism. And she wanted me to have Sports Illustrated. It's, it's taken a, a, a step down. I yeah. used to run to the mailbox for my Sports Illustrated. Yeah. So the sportsman of the year was Deion Sanders. And, and here's I will ask just I will have a one word question to this. Why? Why would Deion Sanders be Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year? Can you tell me, Darren? Do you have an answer to this? I don't, well, the only answer I can think of is because of the explosion of popularity he brought to Colorado football three months ago for about two weeks. And then he proceeded <laughs> to get his doors blown off, which is fine. I think Colorado's program will improve because he's going to get much better recruits. Hey, dude, but he won four games. I know, but you, he, he, he had a two-week spurt where he was popular. <laughs> Sportsman of the Year? I know. It's oh, wait, are you kidding me? He won four games. Well, because celebrities flocked to Boulder to kiss his ring. Like, how is Deion Sanders Sportsman of the Year? The same guy who came in when he was hired and said, you are inferior. Get out. <laughs> you, you, Everybody's in this program stinks, and I, and I want you to transfer. That's Sportsman of the Year? Uh, yeah, it wouldn't have been my pick at all. He literally had three years of success in two weeks. Two and a half weeks. All right. Well, uh, anyway, I hey, Sports Illustrated, you can't fool me. I know, I know, I know what you were up to there. All right, Same, let me move man. on. I like you. I used to love Sports Illustrated. I don't think I've ever seen a medium fall that f- far from grace. They're, hey, they're listen, every, every 
every print media entity falls from grace these days. So uh, it is just a sign of the time. Now, speaking of uh, hot takes, David Carr. Um, <laughs> he was a failed NFL quarterback. Yeah. Uh, he, was he the number one pick? He was. He might the have been the number one, one pick, pick overall, I believe. Number one pick overall and had a failed. Um, uh, and, and now his brother has lasted in the league for a long time. But he's not good either, Derek. So uh, David Carr is now doing media. David Carr said last week um, that the Eagles should be starting Marcus Mariota over Jalen Hurts. Uh, for a variety of reasons. One was I think he threw in that to keep Jalen healthy for the playoffs. But the other one was that he couldn't read defenses. Now, this is a trope, the racial trope that goes back and sets time back that the black quarterback can't read defenses. David Carr should be ashamed of himself for going down that avenue. Now, why would he do that? Why would he go down that avenue? Is he stupid enough to actually believe that? That they should play Mariota or that Jalen Hurts, who had an MVP like season last year, can't read defense? Or is he going so far for a hot take that no one on earth would believe him? See, a hot take, there's got to be some semblance of truth in it so people can actually say, you know, he might be right. Nobody on earth with this hot take is saying, you know what, he might be right. What motivates somebody to do this? I don't know. Uh, you know, Mike, this is something we talk about a lot. When, we've, when our pod, this podcast started, one of the things we talked about and mentioned and to promote it was that there will be no, we're not hot takes guys. I don't understand how the popularity of hot takes guys has risen so much. And the fact that they grow like weeds within organizations. They're like Hydra. You cut the head off of one and four more pop up. Uh, it's ridiculous. I don't know what he was thinking. It's so stupid. It's not even worth. I thought that was a planaria. Hydra's, I don't know. Hydra, the Hydra? I think it's a Hydra. Uh, the planaria that you cut it in half and it regenerates. I don't know. You might be right. That was eighth grade biology. Get into botanical uh, or, work, uh, discussion here. <laughs> you know, in eighth grade biology, yeah. young Mikey Miss hatched chicks. Did you? In a, in you a homemade incubator? You sat on the eggs for eight months? I didn't. <laughs> No, I made a box with a light bulb in it to generate heat and a, a, pa- a pail of water for, to, to regulate the humidity I remember for, the, for, the, for the perfect conditions. And I hatched a couple of chicks with fertile eggs that I bought on a farm. But anyway, I'm off the subject. Yeah, we're a little off here. Well, but anyway, go. I don't know how we got on biology. But since this is what I do, I spin off into these wild I things it, uh, with Mike Unleashed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so this is my last thing for Mike Unleashed. I don't do fast fast food a lot. Occasionally, I'll get a yearning for a Whopper, which to me is the greatest fast food sandwich ever created. And sometimes I'll have a hankering for a McDonald's burger. McDonald's has just changed their burgers. They're going more with a fresh look with a different bun, and they're changing the cheese configuration and all that stuff. And I had one yesterday. It was pretty good. But now when you go to the drive-thru window, you are always asked, are you using our app today? And I'm going... What is the purpose of a McDonald's app when you can very just as easily go through the drive through booth to get your food? What is the McDonald's app actually supposed to do? It confuses me. I don't get it. If you order your food in the app, you have to park. Then you have to go inside and you have to get your food from the rack. That kind of defeats the fast foodness of it, doesn't it? I, I don't even see the. Am, am I wrong here? No, what no. does the What does the app do for you at McDonald's? 
my dog's eating toys over here. I, I don't, there's no point, none. For fast food, none. It's quicker to go there and order. And just so for the up. app, again, the app, it's not like as soon as your car shows up, there's a flashing siren that says, ah, so-and-so's here, run the food out to them. You still have to park and go inside the place like you're ordering anyway, and you'll just find your bag to say nothing now of thieves in the night. Like, I'm hungry, I'm fast, but I don't have any, any scratch. Uh, uh, the, the McDonald's app bin is over there. I walk in, yeah, I'm, I'm Joe Blow from Cinnamon and you take the bag, no matter what it is, you got free food. I have just exposed the fallacy of the app. I, I don't see a point in having a fast food app, an app for any fast food. Like you said, All right. It's right there. There you go. So that's the end of Mike Unleashed for the day on the Mike Mess Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. And now it is time for Picks of the Week. Uh, you know, I don't like any of the games this week. I really don't. And I usually pick three. And there's no college game except for Army-Navy. So I'm out on colleges where it's just my field of expertise. And I'm going to go with two NFL games. Only two, folks, this week. I apologize, but these are the only two I like. Uh, I am going to take the Bengals over the Colts. The Colts have been playing pretty good football. Um, the Bengals are only a one-point underdog. I mean, that tells me a little something. Uh, the Bengals are bad right now. They don't have a quarterback. They struggle. I'm going to take the Bengals to defeat the Colts, who get so up and down. I can't count on Gardner Minshew from week to week. So I think that's good value. The Bengals plus one. I think they will win the game outright. Uh, let's move on to the 49ers and Seahawks. Boy, 49ers spilled the bucket last week. Now, I know the Seahawks are formidable. They're not as formidable as the Eagles. I can't well, imagine on a come-down week that the 49ers are going to beat the Seattle Seahawks by 10.5 points. The line tells you that they will, but I'm going to gamble and take the Seahawks to stay within 10 and a half of the 49ers. And those are my two selections for the week. Mike, I Darren? think we are, uh, we have been on the same game for anywhere between four and six times this year. And we're undefeated. Uh, we've never lost when we're both on the same game. And I also like Seattle plus the 10 and a half. Look, this was the emotional. That was the game for the 49ers. And, um, you know, and it's a home game. Now they got to, you know, a lighter schedule now, lighter team coming in. Divisional opponent knows him a little bit. Ten and a half is a lot of points. I also like the Seahawks a lot. Another game, and I don't usually take dogs. It's just two dogs for me this week. I like Denver plus three at the Chargers. The Chargers are five and seven, and all five of their wins are unremarkable. They just won six to nothing in New England. I can't believe Brandon Staley still has a job. It is astonishing to me. Uh, and the Denver's playing well. They lost last week, but they I think they won four in a row prior. You're going to give them three points against a team that has to fight to get across the other side of the field and can't stop anyone? I'm taking Denver plus the three. So Seattle plus 10 and a half. All right. Denver plus uh, there you go. There are selections for this week. Again, uh, use your Bet Rivers app wisely. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of uh, I miss college football season. I, I know, but these the bowl games are always uh, all messed up. I, I'm a seasonal college picker, 
I don't like these bowl games coming up. Who can tell with these inferior bowls? We, we, we guys aren't playing if they're going to be drafted. Who and, wants to know, be there? They're not. They're not into it because they're playing in an inferior bowl. Like Penn State's playing Ole Miss. Do you think I have any interest in Penn State playing Ole Miss? No, they lost their defensive coordinator. Is going to Duke. Yeah, you know, it's the hits keep coming for Penn State people. Uh, all right. Um, I'll have a, a parting thought, but let's get to our three questions for Mikey Miss. Oh, three questions for Mikey Miss. Here we go, Mike. First of three questions today. Um, you have a nice home. I like your home a lot. When I bought my home, I bought it for two reasons. One, I love my fireplace. And the other thing on my home that has, I have a, a fairly large deck in the back of my home that was already built. One of those nice Trex material decks. What is the one house amenity you have that you can't live without? Like, that's the real, like, oh, love this house. That's why I bought the house. Because you have a lot of nice oh, wow. features in your home as well. I didn't buy it. this. This house was built. So uh, it was an existing house that a builder purchased and rebuilt. And uh, so I didn't buy, buy the house for a particular feature. Uh, so I added features. Um, and one of the features that I added, I installed a hot tub in my backyard. But before that, I had the builder install a jet tub in my upstairs bathroom. Now, taking a bath is one thing. Taking a bath with the jet tub is special. That sounds because remarkable. Because all these pulsating things come out of the side. And, and there's nothing like uh, when your back is hurting to either yeah, go in the hot tub outside where it's a little chilly. And you don't, you don't want to schlep out there when it's cold with a robe and a whole bit. You can just go upstairs to the jet tub. So, yeah, small matter. I don't really have any uh, crazy things in my house. That, uh, But the jet tub was one thing that uh, I insisted on they put in. Uh, having a bad back, that is a phenomenal answer. It's something I'm going to look into as soon as we're, we're done this show. Okay, yes. question number two. Mike, do you have any normal addictions? Like, uh, are you addicted to anything, you know, not that's not going to hurt you? Like, the one addiction I have, is vanilla milkshakes. I could drink three to five a day, every day, if they're made with the right ice cream and the right amount of vanilla extract. I love a good vanilla shake. Do you have any normal addictions? No. I have None? no normal well, addictions. I don't have an addictive personality at all. The one thing I would say that I have, uh, I can't live without is a cup of coffee in the morning. Just one. Like that's the first thing I do in the morning is brew a cup of coffee and read all the materials that I have to read. So I would say uh, if I was deprived of that, uh, maybe I would get the shakes. I don't know. Just one. I'm not an, uh, addicted to caffeine. I just have the one cup of coffee is is the ritual for me, but it's not addictive. My new thing is I do an espresso in the morning and then like uh, right after lunch, I get a nice good cup of coffee. That's Okay, question number three, Mike, real simple. What do you want for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> what do I want for Christmas? Yeah. I, I have no idea how to answer a question like this, but I did blurt out to my daughter who asked me the same question. I, Give me the Analon X frying pans. <laughs> I, do, I do a lot of cooking, and uh, nonstick frying pans wear out eventually, and so I'm, I'm at the bare bones on my pans, and I, I cook a lot. So I don't know if I'm going to get that, but I've seen this commercial, but the Analon X that has the, the grid on the bottom and, and the oil stays in the middle of the pan. So, I've seen so that. there's, that's what I, that's what I want for. Christmas. That's a good answer. It's a good set of pans. It's a good set of equipment to have. <laughs> like you, I cook a lot as well. And that's three questions. Mikey miss.
All right. Uh, there's that uh, Made In commercial with pans, the two restaurateurs, the, the fancy restaurant. Yeah. I looked up this restaurant. Uh, it was in Chicago, these two guys. And, and it's weird. You got I forget what the name of the restaurant is, but it's weird because they just they cook all this gastronomical stuff. And it's like what they cook is that like you can't. It's whatever they decided to cook that day. <laughs> and that's and, and it's astronomically color. priced. Uh, I forget what they advertise. Got these pants called Made In, and they're very expensive. I looked at the price. I'm like, oh, oh. Uh, all right. That's well, what's ex- what's an expensive pan go for these days? Yeah, I mean, are they like a hundred dollars each, or more than that? Like, really? yeah, that Made In pan is probably two fifty. Wow, that's a lot. I mean, you got to be yeah. a professional chef. Yeah, if you're a chef, it isn't. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you know, chef. You rely on your equipment. Me, you I rely on this. My hands. My abilities. All right, parting shot. Um, the Yankees made a trade for Juan Soto. Um, I, I find it interesting that these teams, they, they like to stack hitters together. And they go, you know, as long as we have these hitters, we're good. And sometimes that works. And sometimes it doesn't. Because you forget about two little elements that make your team well-rounded enough to actually win something. One is starting pitching and the other is defense. The Yankees outfield now will be Alex Verdugo, who they got from the Red Sox, Aaron Judge, six foot eight, playing center field, and Juan Soto in right. Now, if they think that Aaron Judge can play center field for an entire season, then they're delusional because I could tell you that within the first month of the season, he's going to be injured. So it's good that the Yankees make the splash because they had to. They were run down and nobody's talking about them anymore. So here they throw at you Juan Soto and Giancarlo Stanton. It's pretty much done. And he swings a bat and he gets injured. And Aaron Judge. And that's formidable in the middle of your lineup. But if you can't catch anything in the outfield, as we've seen with the Phillies, then, you know, you're not going to win. So the Phillies stood pat. They made no deals at the winter meetings. And the only issue they have right now is that Bryce Harper wants to sign a wants to re up with the Phillies until he's seventy four. Uh, playing, <laughs> he can't, his contract goes till he's thirty nine. Boris is talking about adding six years so he can play until he's forty five. Come on now, all right, so Bryce, I love you. I'm going to look forward to the next five years. <laughs> I don't know about an extension. Seventy. All right, that's going to end it for the Mike Missinelli podcast. Uh, thanks for uh, listening, everybody, and uh, let's go Eagles. Let's see. hope they can pull something off Sunday. And if they do, and we're talking about it, we have a different scope and a different conversation next week that they still could get number one seed and they still could get to the Super Bowl. So for Darren, uh, I'm Mike. Again, you can give uh, email me, Mike at MikeMiss.com. That's Mike at MikeMiss.com. You can check me out on Twitter at MikeMiss25. If you want a Cameo shout-out, just go to Cameo.com and uh, research my name, and I'll give you a personalized phone video shout out that'll come right to you with a little holiday greetings i wear a santa hat last year in a couple of these cameos wore my santa hat that was a jolly old soul and uh and what else we got anything else oh oh my book in fact i just tweeted it out uh in fact i'm i'm tomorrow i'm i'm reading my book to a class at garnet valley elementary school shima uh, the adventures of shima the shiba it's a great little christmas gift for your little one if you want to do something educational, if your little one just started to learn to read 
or if you enjoy reading to your uh, a child who hasn't yet learned to read, it's a great book about my dog. It's written by my dog through my brain. And uh, I sent out the link today. You can go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. It's The Adventures of Shima the Sheba by Mike Missanelli. Make for a great gift. I think you'll really enjoy it. I was really proud of it. My illustrator did a great job. So I'm proud of the book. So take a shot. You, you Listen, any reading material is great for your kid. And uh, I think I was clever enough to amuse you with this little book. All right? That do it. Have a great rest of the night, everybody. And uh, have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you on Monday uh, morning following the big Sunday night game with the Dallas Cowboys. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.